have your Bibles, if you'd like to turn with me to Psalm 29. You know, this passage for me is one of those passages, it's uh, what I'd really call a go-to passage. I don't know if you have those those um, anchor scriptures in your life where the times get hard or when you begin to have to deal with certain things uh, that you actually have a passage that you might go to and you read it and reread it and think about it that just really brings life and undergirds to you uh, or helps you walk through those things you're going through. Psalm 29 verses 10 and 11 is one of those passages for me and so I'd like to read it to you. Psalm 29. For God sat enthroned on the flood, at the flood, and the Lord sits as a king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. You know, it's interesting at times of uncertainty, in times of crisis, in times of pressure in our lives, we often find out what is really going on inside of us. I mean, times of uncertainty, times of crisis, times of pressure really reveal the things about us, what's happening inside of us, what we believe. I remember hearing a story of a farmer who had two vats and they were identical vats to look at, but one contained vinegar and one contained honey. A friend came to visit him and uh, as he looked at those vats and realised that they were identical and they had no signage written on them, he wondered to himself, how could the farmer tell the difference? So he asked his friend, he said, listen, these vats are identical. How can you tell the difference between which is which? And the farmer smiled and he said, well, that's just easy. I just give it a kick and whatever's in it will, will come out. That's a little bit of a silly story, really. But, you know, that's what happens, really, when we're in times like we are right now. When there's times of uncertainty, when there's times of pressure or worry, all sorts of things are going on. It's in those times that actually reveal what's going inside of us, what's going on inside of us. Do I trust God with all my heart? Do I trust God in every area of my life? You know, when things are uncertain, when things are, are unknown and there's pressure, it's like that's when the farmer kicks the, the vat and we find out what is really inside of us. You know, I think back to the early, uh, my early 20s. We bought our, our pharmacy. We had our first child. She was 12 months old and Sue was pregnant, five months pregnant with our second child. You know, we borrowed pretty much everything to get hold of our pharmacy. And it was great, it was wonderful. Things went so well with us. The pharmacy really grew, it was very successful. But then we hit a financial recession. Things got really hard. Interest rates went up, can you believe it, to over 20%. And even though the business was doing great, it was really, really hard financially because of those interest rates. And we got to the point where we had to sell our house. Now, this is our first house. We loved that house. We'd done all these alterations, and we thought this was going to be the house that we were going to live in for all our lives, that we are going to raise our children up in, and, and all this feelings. And I've got to be honest, it really rocked me. I got thrown off. I was really spinning out that here, the very thing that we, we counted on, we were going to have to sell. And, you know, I really probably struggled with it for probably three or four days. And, and there was just this powerless feeling. 
And after a few days, I got just before the Lord and I just laid it out in front of him. And, and as I got before Jesus, I realized something. I realized it wasn't about the house. It was actually about trust. I realized I really didn't trust God or my family. I didn't trust God he would provide and take care of my wife and my kids. And I didn't trust God of my future. Sitting there, I realized, you know, I said, God, I don't know if I trust you to provide for me, to protect me, to give, make things uh, safe for me and my family. And I tell you what, it only took a moment. I said, Lord, I don't want to be like this. So right now, Lord, I declare I trust you. I trust you with my family. I trust you with my kids. I trust you with my future. And everything changed in my heart. And we did sell our house. And finally, it was several years later, but we were finally able to buy another house. And you know what? It's been the best house for our family. We still live in it right now. It was right near where our kids went to school. It was near parks. It was just the greatest, far better than we could have ever imagined. And, you know, the number of times I've found myself as I've just been walking through the gate and walking down our drive to our house where I've just said, God, you know, I thank you. I just thank you that we, we actually had to let go of that other house. <laughs> and I'm really grateful for what we've got now. You know, I hadn't realized what was going on inside of me until there was some pressure put on. I didn't realize what was going on inside of me until there was a time of uncertainty, that place of, of times of unknowing of what was going to happen, that, that, that moment of crisis. All of a sudden, I got kicked. And I found out what was inside because it came out of me. It was like, whoa. You know, it wasn't that I didn't trust God. It was that I didn't trust God at the depth I needed to. And I tell you what, that moment was a real gift for me. Now, I'm not saying that what's happening around the world right now is a gift from God or, or that God has somehow caused it. I mean, we, you know, we are as a church with, with so many others are standing against it. But I tell you what, when we live in a world of fear, when we live in a world of panic, it's something like that, that we, when we're in those circumstances, we discover what's going on inside of us. Do I trust God with my finances? Do I trust God with my kids? Do I trust God with my health? Do I trust God with my, with my uh, future? Those are good questions, you know, to realize. And for me, Psalm 29 is a go-to passage. It's a revelation that is, is um, just straight out there. God is on the throne. God is on the throne. What a great declaration. And then the, the author of the psalm goes on. He says, you know, listen, God was on the throne in the worst calamity in human history. I mean, nothing compares to the, to the flood. Everything got wiped out. And the author says that God was on the throne when the world was in total upheaval and chaos. Not only that, but God will be on the throne forever. God is on the throne forever. And, you know, I really think it's important that we understand this. As believers, we need to lock into this reality. We have to anchor ourselves into this truth. 
God is on the throne. And listen, nothing or nobody has or can dethrone God. You know, when the, those who would have originally read this psalm, they would have understood something really important about the idea of God being king and being on the throne. I mean, today it's a little bit different for us. The idea of kings and queens ruling over cities or countries is pretty foreign to us, really. But in the days when the Psalms was written, the king was a big deal. The king represented stability. He represented protection. He represented safety. He represented provision. When there was a, a righteous king established, when there was a good king, there was peace. It meant that for my family, we were safe, we were protected, there would be provision and there would be stability. And the, those who, who read that psalm would have understood this. Because you see, when a king got dethroned through, whether he was beaten in war, in war or there was a coup, whatever happened, whenever a king was dethroned, then it brought, it brought um, instability. Things that had been assured like safety, security, provision, would have suddenly become uncertain and known. But the Bible here is saying, listen, God is on the throne. God was on the throne in the flood and God will be on the throne forever. God has not been dethroned. God has not been dethroned over your finances. He has not been dethroned over our nation. God is still on the throne. He is on the throne. And in the midst of all this happening, whatever's going on right now for us, we can have the confidence that God is on the throne. But what does that mean for us? Well, I think as believers, we need to look different in these times. We should respond differently because we are anchored in a different reality. And that is, we know something that others do not know, that God is on the throne. Even when we had to sell our house, God was still on the throne. My life is still stable. My life is still secure. My life is still safe and I am still provided for because of that. And what's even more, Psalm 29 verse 11, the second part of what I read says this, The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Not only is God on his throne, but we are his people. This is a big revelation we need to have as well. God is not only on the throne, but we are his people. God is on the throne and I am his son. You know, Jesus came to reveal God as father. He came to reveal God as father and that we are his sons and daughters. See, we, 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 we don't use so much that he's king and we are as his people. It's more we, he is our father who cares for us and we are his children. Our father is still on the throne and I am still his son. We are still his children. And that's really, really important. You see, when Jesus came, one of the main revelations he brought was that God was our father. Now, for us today, we go, yeah, sure, you know, we talk about that. I know that. But we need to realize that when Jesus came with that message, it just blew the whole religious community out. 
You see, the people of Israel, they understood him as creator, as omnipotent, as powerful. They understood him as God, creator of the universe, judge and ruler. But never, never did they think of him as father. Then Jesus shows up and he says, listen, he's all those things. But at the core of who he is, he is a father. He's all those things, but he is a father. And you can relate to him as a father. This was so different. Because, you see, how I relate to a judge is very different to how I relate to a father. And God is our father. Jesus was constantly trying to say to people, listen, you are his sons, you are his daughters, and you can actually approach him like that. You can ask for things from him as your father, and he's actually going to give you things as your father. Let me read two passages about this, because, you know, the heart of a father is to provide and protect. And I really want to continually throw these things out to us that we would grab them. That in these times, that the king who is sitting on the throne is our father, and we are his people, we are his sons and daughters. And his character and his heart and his nature is connected to provision and protection. God provides and protects. That is the role of fathers. I can tell you as a dad, one of the main ways my, uh, my love as a father manifests is I'm going to provide and I'm going to protect. Those are two com key components of my job description as a father, if you like. So here are two great passages, one in Matthew 6 and one in Matthew 7. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is not like life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all, these are the things that Gentiles seek. Okay, so all that he's been saying is connected to this last little bit. Here's Jesus, the Son of God, and he's saying, Listen, I know you worry about, about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, where you're going to go, how you're going to afford to buy them. what kind of story we're portraying to other people around us. But Jesus says, listen, we don't need to worry about all these things. You know why you don't have to worry about these things? Because, and here's the key phrase he wants us to get, for your heavenly Father knows what you need in all of these things. See, you're connected to a Father in heaven, your heavenly Father. And he's trying to give us this revelation of our Father 
in these times. In times of worry, in times of uncertainty, in times of calamity, he's trying to say, you know that you're okay. It's all right because you have a heavenly father that already knows what you need. Your heavenly father knows the bills that you're going to have to pay. Your heavenly father knows what your kids need and he's going to provide that. He says a similar thing in the next chapter, Matthew chapter 7, verse 9. Or what man is there among you who if a son asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish will give him a serpent? If you then evil knowing how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will you note this? He doesn't say creator of the universe. He doesn't say judge of the universe. He says, how much more your father who is in heaven gives good things to those who ask him. You know, both of those passages are making it so clear. Our father doesn't live in our realm. Our father lives in a different realm. And our father has a whole bunch of, of different resources that exist from those that are in our realm. It is our father. It is our father who is heaven that cares for us. This is the message that Jesus carried. Not only do you have a father, but he's a father living in a different realm, connected to different resources. He's not limited to the natural resources that we have. So this is so important. Jesus comes. He says, not only is God on the throne, but we are his people. He is our father and he provides. This is the revelation that he wants for each one of us to have. And then the last thing, he promises to us as his people back in Psalm 29 verse 11. It says that he will give us strength and he will give us peace. You know, I can't think of anything more we need right now than strength and peace. Strength and peace. Both of these are connected to the revelation that God is on the throne and we are part of his people. God is on the throne and we are his people. The promise that he's given to us as his people, that he is going to release strength and that he's going to release peace to us. These are in our inheritance. That is why you've heard us say, don't partner with fear. It's not just a cute little phrase or something trying to make us feel better. But we don't partner with fear because fear is not our inheritance. Peace is your inheritance. Faith is your inheritance. Strength is your inheritance. Partner with these things. Partner with peace. Partner with faith. Partner with strength. Don't partner with fear. Fear is not part of the kingdom that we come from. It's not our inheritance. You know, in fact, I would say faith is ultimately found in peace. Faith is quiet trust in God. When the storm is raging around us, there's this quiet insurance, this quiet trust that I'm taken care of. I have the authority. You know, we've talked so often about faith. And we said faith is not denying the reality that's in, in front of us. But faith is knowing that we belong to a greater reality.
You know, there are things that are happening today. We're living in unprecedented times. There is a virus that's happening. There is uncertainty for many people. There are unknowns. Faith is not ignoring these things, but faith is recognizing there's a greater reality than those mountains that we see. There is someone sitting over the mountain. There is a throne above the mountain. You see, this is what believers do. Our lives look different than the world around us because we're anchored to a different reality. The world may be anchored to the mountain right in front of them. But we look at that mountain. We see the mountain. We understand there's a mountain, but we know where our hope comes from. We're not confused about where our hope comes from. Our hope comes from the Lord. That is where our hope comes from. The name that is higher than any other name. There is greater reality than the mountain in front of us. This is faith. And this is why Psalm 29 is so important to us right now. God is on the throne. We are his people. And your inheritance is strength and peace. And that reality anchors you. Sorry, that revelation anchors you to a reality that is far above the mountain. Some of you may be fine right now. Everything is pretty good. You're all set financially and, and, and it's all okay. Some of you may not. You may have great uncertainty right now. You may be worried about your job. You may be worried about what's happening to your kids or whatever's going on in life. But can I encourage you, wherever you're at, to, we need to anchor ourselves to the greater reality. Whatever season you're in, our lives need to be anchored to the greater reality. To understand that there's a name above every other name. Philippians 2.9 says this, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given them a name which is above every other name. We're talking about Jesus. So whatever name you're encountering right now, there's a name above that name right now. And that's why we live with hope. That's why we live with faith. That's why we live with peace. That is why we live with courage. And that is why we live with strength. Because we're anchored to the name that is above every other name. And it's Jesus. His name. His name is higher than every other name. And I don't want to live or act as if there is something higher than his name in my life. Whatever we're going through, we need to anchor ourselves to this greater reality. And I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Let's take this time to draw closer to one another. And I mean, look, I understand right now that it's going to be online. It may be over the phone. It may be by text. We, we can't fully connect to people as much as we want, but we can still draw closer together. Let's go deeper in learning trust. Let's go deeper in knowing the intimacy of the Father. Let's go deeper in believing. You know, one of the great things that Melody talked about this week, she said how she just takes one day a week and she completely goes off all social media just so she can refocus and recalibrate her life. You know, and I think that's a really great thing for each one of us to do. It's a challenge that I'm really trying to apply to my life. Just to have that stillness where I can really focus on God. Let's get to that place where we walk out what we believe.
let's be the church of Jesus Christ in this hour. You know, you might be doing great. You may be in a place of faith. So if you are, stay there and encourage others. If you're in that place right now, can I tell you, speak life to others. Declare life over others. Encourage others. And some of you might be feeling a little shaky right now. Might be feeling a little bit uncertain right now. You may be in the center of a whole bunch of unknowns that are causing you worry. Can I encourage you? Declare, determine to place yourselves and anchor yourself in the greater reality that Jesus is on the throne. That Jesus has a name above all other names. You know, we need to fight every day, determine, determine that we're going to stay connected to that. Doesn't matter how long these things are going to last, we're going to stay anchored to the reality that Jesus is enough. You know, that's a really, it's a, it's a great declaration for each one of us. He is enough. Jesus, you are enough for us. We just say thank you today that you're on the throne. Thank you that you are dead. Thank you that you are our father. We are your people. We are your church and you're sitting on the throne. And no one, nothing has dethroned you. We just declare right now that there is no name higher than your name. God, I pray that for our lives right now. Lord, I want my life to demonstrate that. I want my life to, to be lived out that there is no name higher than the name of Jesus. Lord, teach me, I pray. Lord, let me be a man who demonstrates the glory of the wonder of Jesus in my life. Yeah? Listen, I want to pray for you right now. You know, I know the power of God, and, and whatever situation you're in, God is on the throne. Jesus gave us really the same promise that we find in Psalm 29. He talked about it in John 14. He said, I leave a gift of peace with you, my peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. Peace and strength. Can I invite you right now to put your hand on your heart? Father, I just pray for a revelation of who you are. That you are God over all circumstances. That you are on the throne. But more than that, not only are you on the throne above all things, but you are on the throne as our Father. That we can come to you in this time, in this time of uncertainty and of need and of worry, and we can just place our trust in that reality that you are our Heavenly Father and that you care for us and that you love for us and that you will provide us. And Father, I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for your peace and your strength. And I just declare that over every person today, an impartation of peace and of strength into each heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.